You're listening to Actors Talk. My guest for this special episode of Actors Talk is actor, writer, filmmaker, Conrad Goody. Conrad Goody's credits are very long, and you can go to IMDb and check those out. I don't have time to list them all here, but you'll know him from projects such as Con Air, Anger Management, The Longest Yard, Me, Myself, and Irene, just to name a very few. He is also the screenwriter of and plays a leading role in the new indie film Watercolor Postcards. Here's just an excerpt of what Conrad had to say about the 11-year effort it took to get this film produced and out to audiences. I could have sold it a couple times. They were writing some big checks and passing them across the table, but they wanted me to walk away from the project. And I knew this script, I had to be the guy. It's if anyone was going to see me in a different light other than being a heavy. Actors Talk, the podcast that invites you to come inside the acting business. to Actor Talk. My name is Tommy G. Kendrick. I am the producer and host of our digital get-together. I am an Austin, Texas-based SAG-AFTRA actor, and I want to thank each one of you who is listening, whether it's the day this episode was first published or sometime into the future. Today is, in fact, Christmas Day 2014, and in addition to being a very special day because it is Christmas Day, this day also marks the third anniversary of Actors Talk. Yes, I actually started publishing episodes on Christmas Day. Don't ask me why, but I did. And it becomes an easy way to remember the anniversary. So thank you so much for being a listener. Since that day in 2011, I have now produced 57 episodes that have been downloaded are streamed by tens of thousands of listeners who literally span the globe. My media host tells me that there are listeners from in addition to the United States, from 160 other countries. And for that, I am very, very thankful. I certainly don't have time to name all the 161 countries represented, but I want you to know that I appreciate each and every listener from wherever you are. I understand that the reach of this podcast is not about me personally. How could it be? But rather, it's about the power of the desire to pursue a calling to increase knowledge and craft of acting and the film business, and to appreciate, to be encouraged, and hopefully inspired by the stories of fellow artists. Thank you very, very much. As you know, all episodes of Actors Talk are completely free. If you would like to make a small financial contribution to my efforts here, I invite you to do that by going to the website, actorstalkpodcast.com, and you will see under my photo on the right side of the page the words, Shop Amazon from here and support Actors Talk. Well, it's just that easy. If you're going to do some shopping on amazon.com, if you would be so kind as to begin that trip to Amazon by clicking on the banner there, a small commission on your Amazon purchase will come back this direction and help keep Actors Talk going and keep the content absolutely free. You will pay no additional charge for your purchase, but as I say, a small commission will come back this direction. Thank you very much in advance if you decide to contribute to the ongoing efforts here at Actors Talk in that fashion. I will appreciate you very much. And if you want to let me know that you did that, that'd be great. I'll be happy to give you a shout out on the podcast if you would like for that to happen. Happy to do that. I began my conversation with Conrad talking about football. That's American football. Conrad's father and stepfather were both accomplished football players. His father was an All-American at Missouri and played a few years in the Canadian League. 
And his stepfather played for, I think it was 13 years in the National Football League with the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Conrad was also an All-American at Missouri and fulfilled a boyhood dream when he was drafted into the pros by the New York Giants of the National Football League. But there came a time when football became less important to him. And that's where I'll pick up our conversation. How Conrad Goody made the transition from accomplished professional football player to a dedicated actor and the writer of the feature film Watercolor Postcards, also known as Home is Where the Heart Is. And we'll touch on that in the interview. That is the focus of this episode of Actors Talk. So let's get to my interview with Conrad Goody. Was it something that you found it hard to give up when you decided to get out of football, or was it just time to move on? No, it was very easy, actually. (laughs) 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 To be honest with you, you mentioned that you saw watercolor postcards, that that monologue that I have. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, if that that was autobiographical. It was was completely autobiographical. I mean, I literally had that epiphany. Uh, we We were playing... I, my, my second year, you know, I had that crazy epiphany about, you know, this is, you know, this is crazy. And and it, I'm not kidding. I literally, all the wind came out of sail at that moment. I'm like, this doesn't make sense anymore. You know, I felt like, I, I felt, you know, <laughs> all of, you know, 24 years old at the time, and I felt like I was a grown man, but I mean, maybe physically, definitely not mentally, but, <laughs> you know, and it just, I was already looking for an exit strategy, put it that way. Yeah. You know, my whole goal was to to play in the NFL. You know, being being around it so much growing up, I I knew that was not it wasn't gonna last, it doesn't last forever. And so I was definitely looking for an exit strategy. And about that time, an agent in New York uh, called me up and asked me to go on an audition for a Miller Lite commercial. And long you know, long story short, the uh, I got the job, got my side card, and I'm like, I can do this. I think I can do this. You know, it took me a couple of years to uh, to actually get out. I was going into my fifth year. And I was with the Bears, and I, we're halfway through training camp, and I just realized uh, I can't do this anymore. I just walked into Dicka's office and told him, you know, I can't. You know, my heart's not into playing football anymore. I, you know, and I don't want to. I don't want to do anything half-ass. And he said, you know, I appreciate your honesty. Best of luck. And, you know. <laughs> and that, well, that, that's that's a really interesting because you grew up with your passion being football and your dream being football and, and, and playing professional football, you achieved that dream. And then at some point it either wasn't what you thought it was going to be, or didn't fulfill you in the way you hoped it would maybe. And you know, that happens so often that can happen in the acting business as well. But when you transition now out of football into acting, you got this commercial. Now, you know, a lot of football players have done commercials, but they right. and a lot of football right. players have actually moved into the movie business or the TV business. But in looking over, sort of tracing back your career, you've really taken it seriously as as a business and and as a career, not just something you sort of moved into after football. And you know, I think that's uh, that's impressive. What kind of 
what kind of lessons were you or assets were you able to bring with you from football, whether it's a mental toughness or even a physical toughness that you developed there that you've had to uh, rely on at times in the acting business? Because there are some parallels there, I think, you know, with uh, getting knocked down and having to get back up and and striving for a goal and, and going, you know, when it, maybe it seems like you can't go anymore sometimes. Absolutely. I think you said it perfectly. Football teaches you exactly that. Who's going to get back up in the fourth quarter and find a way to do it? I also think, you know, if you're going to be successful in football, you have to have a work ethic. You have to work at your job every day. I think as an actor, you have to do that as well. You know, like you said, a lot of football players have tried to get into the film business, and a lot of them also don't want to do the work. I got in classes. I was in classes for 10 years. I studied acting longer than I was in college. I studied Meisner for two years. I was in scene studies for five years. I was in different types of classes working on my craft. So when I got the opportunity, I knew I wasn't going to walk up when you're staying next to Jack Nicholson or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I think there are definite parallels in football and in acting in that sense. The biggest part, the biggest part though, is football, you never let them see you cry. In acting, they only want to see you cry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to break, I had to break down, uh, I had to break down years of brainwashing from all those, uh, all the football coaches to uh, show, show any type of vulnerability. Right. And that's how I kind of fell into writing. My first acting teacher said, you know, you're going to have to tear that, that macho football stuff away if you're going to be a good actor. He pushed me into like writing. So I started writing poems and poems became songs, songs. And then I started like, you know, I, I really enjoyed writing. It's funny. I couldn't stand it when I was in school, but I, I really enjoyed it. I started writing scripts back in the late 80s, and here we are. You were an art major in college, so you knew it in high school before you got to college. You had some type of talent, but did you ever know that you had within you the ability to create characters and, and be an actor? Was that just something that surprised even you? No, it completely surprised me. I, I had no idea. I mean, I was sort of the class clown. But I had no idea. No, I, I, I can't say I did. My my my, uh, my one of my sisters was was the one who wanted to be an actress, and I was always just like, yeah, whatever. And you know, and then now I hire when I when I produce. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a good brother. I try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she may have another version, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad you mentioned all the work you put in after you decided to become an actor, all the training and everything, because that's so vital to to any actor's development. I mean, I get questions from younger actors all the time now because of the podcast and, and being online and stuff. And I'll, I'll get emails or messages saying, you know, I haven't done anything yet, but I want to move to L.A. And I'll say, well, why don't you start where you are, first of all, and start getting some classes, getting some training, develop some craft, learn what it's about before you pick up and move all the way across the country into something where everybody's an actor and they're already up to speed. You really need to train to get somewhere in this business, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's sound advice. And, you know, I, Every now and then, my, my, my stepmother is a, is a drama teacher in high school, and I'll go back and teach her class about once a year, and I always tell them, don't do it unless, unless you feel you can't live not doing it. 
And like, because like you said, you know, everyone here in LA, I mean, you get, you get the, you know, you get the homecoming king and the, and the homecoming queen from every, every place of the world coming here. Meaning the competition is this, it's, it's fierce. You know, it's all the best looking people in the world. Not that you have to be a good looking person to be an actor, but I'm just. No, thank God for me. <laughs> well, you and me both. But I, I just, my, my point being is the competition is fierce and this yeah. town is merciless. So you better have thick skin. Right. You know, because so many people come out here and they think, okay, I'm going to give it a year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like a minute. <laughs> yeah, I said, uh, a year? I mean, you know, a lot of them hear the stories, oh, you know, you got, I got there, and, you know, next thing I know, you know, you, you know you're know, you on a hit TV show. Well, yeah. yeah, that happens once, one, one person out of a million. The other 999,000, it takes, you know, it takes, it takes a while. It takes more than a year. You know, you'd be lucky if you have, if you have an agent, a good agent in three years. That's if you're lucky. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's you've got to prepare. Yeah, yeah, you have to prepare, and and I really like what you said about being something you can't not do. And that's the other thing I tell people: look, if there's is there something else you like to do? Is there something else you're good at? Because whatever that is, you're probably going to make a lot more money doing that, and it's going to be a lot easier on you emotionally and on your family and everything else. So if there is something like that, go do that, but don't take this journey as a professional actor unless it's something that you are so passionate about you can't live without it you're you're absolutely right and you know and i've i've also said in a few mothers and fathers you know one that one that scold me after i've said it but you, sh- you shouldn't have there shouldn't be a plan b it's going to take a while and all of a sudden if you if you if you're like starting to do your plan b i don't or for whatever reason you know whether you know your passion is being a chef or whatever your other passion well, it's a lot easier to become a chef than it is to become an actor. It's, there's just more jobs. So next thing you know, you're not working on acting. It's cost me a lot of relationships, but that's just the way it has to be. It has to be the only thing. Like, you know, like I said, you, if, you, if you can live not doing it, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Conrad, is I really appreciate the fact that not only are you an actor, but you're a writer. I know you're a singer as well. You're a poet. You've gotten out there and you're you're creating works like uh, watercolor postcards, also known as Home is Where the Heart Is. How long have you been writing feature scripts? I think you said you started sometime in the 80s, or writing at least, but when did you make that into screenwriting? My first full-length feature I wrote was, I believe, in 90. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, I really enjoy it. It's, you know, it's, an, it's another way to, of expression, which being an artist is, is fantastic and the uh, and I feel like it's almost like painting. You just keep putting layers and texture and to the to the project. And uh, yeah, I was fortunate. I I, I actually had a bunch of screenplays, uh, sold a couple to the studios in the '90s, but nothing got made for one reason or another. I finally said, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the bull by the horns and do this myself. I had written watercolor postcards. I was doing a film in Toronto uh, titled "Don't Say a Word." Uh, Michael Douglas, Sean Bean, Brittany Murphy, and this little girl who just passed away, a, a Texan down, uh, from Sky McCole Bartusiak. Bless her heart, she just passed away uh, last year, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old. But she was eight at the time, and her mother, Helen, was mom had to be on the set of an eight-year-old, so I spent a lot of time with Helen as well. And 
great woman. Skye was a was a, uh, a veteran actor, even at eight years old. She already worked with Mel Gibson and Keith Ledger and on The Patriot and a bunch of others. And she said, I've never seen Skye quite react to another actor like she reacts with you. you got to write something. I'm like, I've never written for you know, a kid before. And she goes, oh, think about it. So I went back to my trailer and I actually wrote the outline for watercolor postcards in my trailer for Sky and Brittany. I was hanging out with Brittany. There was a small cast and shooting nights in Toronto in the wintertime. There's not much to do. <laughs> so immediately I, I put it to script right when it finished and I could have sold it a couple times. They were writing some big checks and passing them across the table, but they wanted me to walk away from the project. And I knew this script, I had to be the guy. It's, if anyone was going to see me in a different light other than being a heavy. So I just pushed those checks back and then... Finally, I, I got tired of waiting on that. I'm like, I'm just going to raise the funds myself. And it took it took a while, but I finally got it done. And with technology today, you know, you can make a, a studio quality film for a lot cheaper than you could, say, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, even five years ago. Yeah, even five years ago. I mean, you can cut it on your computer. You can, you know, you can shoot it on a, well, we shot watercolor postcards on Red Epic. You know. Yeah, it looks great. I had the opportunity to to watch the film last night. I watched it on uh, Amazon streaming. So, folks, you know that's one place you can get it. And we'll talk about some others before we wrap up here. I think I read somewhere it took you what like ten or eleven years to get the film made. Is that right? Yeah, like I said, you know, I, I walked away from a couple checks that you know, as 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 an actor, I'm sure you know, you know, there's good times and there's lean times, and you know. Yeah, I'm sort of familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was pushing that check back across the table, I was I was running I was running a little hot, so I was a little cocky. Mm. But I knew, like I said, I knew I had to play the part. Right. So, and then, but you know, a few few lead times, I was like, maybe I shouldn't have pushed that check across the table. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'm happy the way it turned out. I couldn't be more proud. Why don't you give us a sort of a Reader's Digest version of what the movie's about, Watercolor Postcards slash Home is Where the Heart is. We'll talk about the two different names here in a second as well. It's based around this 10-year-old little girl whose mother is dying of cancer, and her best friend is an ex-pro football player, pro figure, who walked away from the game to become an artist. So when he walked away from the game, his wife left him because that wasn't the life that she bought into. He paints watercolor postcards and sells them on the side of the road of this town fictitiously named Bent Arrow. It's basically one of these towns that gets left behind as the interstate passes, you know, 15 miles to the north. The little girl is played by Bailey Madison, and the character is Cotton. The only thing she has in her life is Butch to watch out for. And she is, and Cotton has been mailing Butch's watercolor postcards to a sister she's never met who left this small town in her past behind to go move to Hollywood to try to make it out here. And finally, you know, she says, you know, mom's not going to make it. You may want to come home. So Sonny, played by the country singer Laura Bell Bundy, who did just a fantastic job, shows up the day after her mom died. So she missed her mom. Sonny's, Sonny's battling a bunch of demons, an ex-boyfriend who's a little psychotic. And she hurt her back in an accident. She had a pain, pain pill problem. So she's become a, an act to that. And uh, now she's faced with raising raising a 10 year old girl that she's never met and, and figuring out, you know, how she's going to, how she's going to make a living in this town where there, there are no jobs. And the little girl, of course, is pretty much the caretaker of everyone until, you know, just 
it's one of those movies. I don't want to. I don't want to give away the ending, but right. it's one of the movies where yeah. you think everything is is going to work out and it's going to be, you know, great. Well, sometimes things don't work out the way you think they should, but maybe the way they you had to. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah, you probably don't want to say anymore. I, I will say that it's quite good and quite an excellent cast. Now, did you cast these with friends or did people just join in because of the strength of the script? Because you have Bailey Madison, and I want to talk about her in a second, Jonathan Banks, John C. McGinley, Laura Bell Bundy, Joan Van Ark, and and that's just a few of the people who everyone will recognize uh, in this movie. I mean, you have an outstanding cast here. Oh, thank you. Well, yes, Strength of the Script was one. A couple of those guys are friends. I had known John C. McGinley uh, since I moved out here in, in 91. But he, you know, he's not going to do anything that he doesn't believe in. And, right. neither is, and I, I've known Jonathan Banks for about the same time, amount of time. You know, they're, they're not going to attach themselves to something they don't believe in. Sure. Laura Bell and Bailey, they just read the script. We just, you know, submitted to their agents. And we Bailey came in and said that she was 12 when she played the 10-year-old. But she said, I, I, I can play 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the director what? and I were sitting there. And I'm like, you had as soon as you walked into the room, huh? <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about her for a second because she is incredibly good in this film. Were you aware of her? Is she... Is she someone you targeted, or did she just come in as another young actress on an audition? My partner, producing partner in this film, knew of her, and they they, they had the same agent. Ah. And he said, "You may want to you may want to look at her." But Bailey came in, and Cotton had to be a precocious kind of wise beyond her years, right? And that's what you know, that's what Bailey is. And, and she, she yeah, she really just absolutely nailed that. Yeah, she killed it. I mean, I. She, she, was, she, was, she was one of the most talented actors. Her instincts are just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, she was she, outstanding. You didn't have to direct her. You really did not have to direct her. And, uh, you know, we, we knew that that performance was key to the film because if she didn't deliver, that film was not going to work. Right. And, and her, I mean, every morning she'd come in and we'd run lines. And, I mean, she'd memorize them right there. I was just like, it took me months and I wrote it <laughs> to yeah, memorize yeah. it. But she, and her instincts, I mean, it was just spot on. It was, it was, it was amazing to watch. And it was, you know, she is going to be, you'll, you'll be seeing her carrying that gold statue at some point in her career. So over this 11 year period, getting this film made, what were, what were the hardest parts that maybe if somebody else is looking at doing their own film, you could say, looking back, wow, I really wish I had done this a little differently. You know, is there anything like that? Any advice you could throw out to maybe some younger producers who are wanting to get their first feature made? You just got to be tenacious. First time filmmakers, you know, you, you don't have a track record. So the biggest question I was, I got was, well, what makes you think you can make a movie? And uh, I was like, well, I've been in this, you know, and my answer, of course, you know, I, I think at the time I was, I'd been in like 25 films, dozen TV shows, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like this, I just, I know I can tell a story. I know I can tell the story. You're just going to have to trust me. When a guy's writing a six figure check, fortunately enough, I just, you know, I convinced our investor that, you know, I, I can do this. You, you just have to trust me. And then the stars kind of lined up. We 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 were fortunate fortunate enough to get Rajiv Dasani, who is a, a fantastic director, and he had won the Academy Award for his student film. So that kind of brought you know a, a, legit, a legitimacy to the project. And then you know the, every, everything kind of fell in place after that. Once we got Rajiv, 
everything just kind of lined up and it happened very fast. When it happened, it happened fast. It, the first money dropped and we were shooting within three months. So it, it just happens that way sometimes. Yeah. I was in a picture that made me think of, of watercolor postcards. Oh gosh, it's must be 15 years ago. A little movie called dancer, Texas population 81 and Tim McCandless who wrote it and was his first picture that he directed. He went on to write the screenplay for iron giant and wrote and directed secondhand lions and some other pictures. It took him 10 years to get it made. Sometimes it just, it just works that way. You know, you really have to be, as you say, tenacious and, and just keep, keep going. If it's good enough, sometimes it'll get done. And you know, sometimes the sad thing is maybe even though it is good enough, it might not get done because that's just the way the business is. So you do have to go against the odds and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I knew I couldn't live without making this movie. It was just one of those things. And yeah, I, I literally packed up everything and, and hit the road for a year traveling back and forth. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough. I did a gig. I did a film down in Shreveport and then I'll be like, all right, I'm driving up to Kansas city to talk to this guy Then I'm going to Chicago. I, I just wasn't, I wasn't coming back to LA until like I, so this was your fundraising tour, huh? Yeah, it was a fundraising tour. <laughs> 2011 was a, we're raising cash. Wow. <laughs> we were fortunate enough to have a, a, a shelf in Walmart for, I think, almost a month. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, you know, right next to Spider-Man. So we were pretty happy about that because Walmart doesn't take everybody. Right. And, uh, I haven't seen the numbers yet, but I'm told that we did pretty well. Uh, and then now you can you can get it on iTunes. You can buy it or rent it. Uh, I think if you want the physical copy, now it's home is where the heart is, and that's another story. Uh, <laughs> and I, I assume the I assume the name change probably probably came with the dis- distributor's decision or something, maybe, huh? Yeah, let me for all those first time filmmakers out there. Be sure you read the fine print. I, you know, I was very adamant about that no one cutting my film. And I say my film, Rashi, myself, and everyone else who worked on that. But uh, I was very adamant about no one, no one's going to cut it. Well, I forgot to say, I didn't think they would change the name. And 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 just just as a warning too, if anyone's listening, who's thinking about going out, any of the moms, I, there's been a few reviews of like. This isn't what I thought it was. You know, the, the home is where the heart is. It has this connotation of this, you know, Hallmark feel good. And I'll, all I'll say is, yeah, there's some, there's, you know, it leaves you with hope, but, you know, it does throw a wicked right hook at the end of, you know, towards the end of the film. Right. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And, you know, and like we mentioned earlier about, you know, maybe it's not the way you wanted it to work out, that maybe that's just the way life is. And, our distributor changed it and get put on this kind of, uh, it's kind of, let's just be honest, kind of a sappy one sheet on it. So, uh, you know, everyone in the film wanted to keep a watercolor postcard and I fought as long as I, hard as I could. But at the end of the day, I missed that one little sentence that we had the right to change the name. Yeah. So North America, it's almost one of the hardest Europe. It opens in Germany, uh, January one. It's watercolor postcards. It went through the film festivals as watercolor postcards. To me, oh, they're all, I, I bet it does very well in Germany too. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, well, hope whether so. you call it watercolor postcards or Home is Where the Heart Is, it's a very good film, and I'm really happy that you were able to stick 
with it and get your passion project made. Do you have other projects that you're now onto and working on? I do. I, I wrote a film called Roll to Die For. Uh, it's, it's kind of a it's a dark comedy thriller about an actor here in Hollywood. Go figure. It's funny how social media has how it has affected. Well, being a producer, I mean, I, I know this for a fact. And, and my managers, there was a the deal memo came through the agencies saying if you're not on Twitter, in Facebook, fan page, if you don't have producers, look. I mean, it's built in advertising. So if there's two people going up for the same job and one has 50,000 Twitter followers or one has 150,000 Twitter followers, you know, they start tweeting about it that, 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 that generates, that actually generates money. So it's something you got to look at. Right. And it's, it's, it's funny, you know, you have IMDB star ranks, which I didn't think, think meant anything. Apparently they do. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you have Twitter followers, you, you know, Facebook likes. It's crazy. So, anyways, this actor, who's a Luddite, figures out he's <laughs> seven, seven, six of his friends have to die before he gets his dream job, his dream part, playing playing Colonel Luddite in, <laughs> oh, that's in a film called, So, it's kind of a spoof on Hollywood and yeah. what they'll do. And, anyways, so I got that. And I actually wrote a film with Jonathan Banks titled The Damage. Uh, that we're pretty excited about that we we think we're it'll get made. Yeah, there's those there's those scripts that you write. You're like, eh, could the damage will get made? World die for will get made. So yes, I uh, I have a couple more on my uh, slate, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, I was looking, speaking of IMDb, I was looking at your IMDb page before we began talking, and I saw that you recently worked with uh, David O. Russell on uh, a new film, and of course. People would uh, hopefully they know who he is. Directed Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, The Fighter, I Heart Huckabee's. You know, he's a a really interesting filmmaker. What's it like stepping on the set with um, with somebody like that? And was it what you thought it would be? I mean, we all bring sort of preconceived notions of what it might be like to work with a certain person. Was uh, what was it like working with David O. Russell? Uh, he has a real frenetic energy. I mean, he's he's like very amped up, and uh, uh, I, I enjoy him. I really enjoy it. I, I I mean, a very very small part in that film. It was actually shot almost five years ago, six years ago. Really? And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they they had to shut down a bunch of time. I mean, so here for first time filmmakers. Yeah. Here's, here's another quick story. You have Jessica Biel. You have uh, a David O. Russell directing, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, James Marson, Tracy Morgan. I, I, in this cast, the film gets shut down five times because they ran out of money. Wow. Literally, they flew everyone home, and then they came back, you know, three days later. It was crazy. And when it got shut down, I think it was the sixth time, they were missing the, the last scene of the film, which is, it's called Nail, titled Nail of Jessica Biel, in an accident, gets a shot in the head with a nail gun, and she doesn't have insurance. <laughs> Kristen Gore, Kristen Gore uh, wrote the film, Al Gore's Daughter, and it was a beautiful script. And here you have all these people in this film, never got, they, they did another like million five and no one would give it to them to film this last scene. And I, somehow they cut together something, but I think David disassociated himself with it or something. I don't oh. know what's going on, but I think yeah, they actually got a relief. Yeah. Yeah, so here you have all these stars, and they couldn't they couldn't finish the film. 
I think we shot that in, uh, I want to say, God, maybe 208. Wow. Now, there's, that's, that's, now, that's an interesting Hollywood story. You never, I, I had no idea. And with the name, you know, David O. Russell behind it, I thought, wow, sure, it's a new, must be his new project, you know. So, what, what, yeah. Just no, goes, just goes to show really you. Blew up. Yeah. Yeah, right. Interesting. Interesting. Watercolor postcards, and we'll wrap this up. I've taken a lot of your time. I really appreciate it, Conrad. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, iTunes, Amazon, are, is it out in a retail market still, like uh, Walmart and for hard copies? It was or? on the shelves of Walmart. I don't think it is anymore. Okay. Uh, but you can order it on Amazon. You can probably get it on and, Amazon, think, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know it's on Amazon. And you can anymore. definitely stream it on Amazon or, or iTunes, because that's what I did last night on Amazon, and it's great. You can stream it in HD. It looks great. Congratulations to you, and you know, you know hope you're have the best of luck with the other projects that you're getting set up now. And I'm, I'll look forward to checking those out when you get those done. So really appreciate, appreciate you being on actors talk. And I really can't encourage people more to go out and see watercolor postcards, or if it's called home is where the heart is in, in the USA, then uh, do that as well. It's a very, very good film. Thank you very much. All right, Conrad. Thank you. appreciate it again being on actors talk and God bless. My pleasure. Okay. Take care. All right, take care. Ah, Bye-bye. My thanks again to Conrad Goody. I really enjoyed talking to him. Nice guy. I think you can tell that. He's played a lot of heavies in the movies, but he's certainly not a heavy in watercolor postcards. He did a fine job crafting the screenplay and also acting in it as well. And I think it's a tremendously inspirational story to know that he worked for 11 years to get this passion project made. Oh, yeah, filmmaking, an easy business, right? Easy breezy. Yeah, it only takes 10, 11 years sometimes to get a movie made. Well, thank you, Conrad. God bless you, and I wish all the best for Watercolor Postcards. I have seen the film and liked it a lot. You can stream it on Amazon.com, as I did, and I'll have links in the show notes. Well, that's it for Episode 57 of Actors Talk, wrapping up three years and about to begin number four. Thank you very much for Uh, being a listener for all of your comments and your questions please always feel free to ask me questions you can email tommy at actorstalkpodcast.com if you go to actorstalkpodcast.com there is a tab there that will allow you to leave a voicemail if you have a microphone hooked up to your computer so please take advantage of that as well god bless you all i hope to see you in the movies i have a short film that i'm in that i've talked about in the past called tattered blanket that was finished recently a really good film great job by writer producer leanne morris and director lucas kitchen and they've already got this film entered in 10 or 12 film festivals so we hope a lot is going to happen for that short film in the coming year also doing a new episode of the web series westish westish coming up in a couple of weeks so uh, I look forward to working on that. God bless you all. I hope to see you in the movies. Until next time, this is Tommy. So long. a wrap for year three.